0: The following podcast contains alcohol-enhanced conversations about alcohol, as well as a potential for discussions about other topics of dubious, disturbing, possibly offensive, but usually hilarious interest. The opinions stated herein are solely of the person stating them, and any endorsement of these opinions by any other party is not implied. Foul language is likely, but intolerant viewpoints are not. Listener intoxication is advised. Hello, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Whiskey Tangent Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Ed. And tonight, we have returned from our trip to
1: Ireland. Where we were imaginary, because we were really here.
0: We really, yeah, yeah. Uh, we virtual. Just, we this just is raised a,
1: virtual, because we were in America, but just drinking Irish whiskey, so. Correct.
0: So now, we're going to get in our time machine, and we're going to go back in time. Harken back, if you will.
1: Way back. When we were
0: just babes in the woods, sipping whiskey. We have the two whiskeys that we first fell in love with. And Ed is going to tell you which whiskeys those are.
1: Right. So we're still at the point where we're trying to help you out when you walk into the liquor store. And you're still trying to figure out which which bourbons or rise you want to try out to spend your hard-earned pay on. So we figured, let's get back to the basics of the ones that brought us into this type of spirits.
0: Yeah, our origin story, if you will.
1: Right, like the two bourbons that we have are the, for me, was Woodford Reserve, and for Scott was Knob Creek bourbon. And they're still very much the same bourbons that we fell in love with well over 20 years ago.
0: Yeah, and a pretty decent value as well. Um, I got the... uh I have a, a club card at the local liquor store, so I got them for a little bit of a discount. But they were both regular priced, almost $40.
1: Right. Woodford is, is a little bit higher historically from Knob Creek when you're out looking. Yeah, a couple dollars. If It's over $40. 40- You know, you probably want to back off. You can find it right around 38. So um, mine, like I said, was Woodford Reserve, which has been around for about 20 plus years. I don't want to put an exact year on it. Why not? Because I'm not really, I don't want to do the math, but all right, fine. (laughs) It's like 23 years ago. Damn it. Is it, people don't care about that. It's, it's, about 20 <laughs> oh, years, it's good enough. It's, well,
0: you know, somebody cares.
1: Well, I mean, it's not the recipe from 120 years ago. It's It's been...
0: Well, no, it's a new it's a new bourbon. It's a
1: newer bourbon, yeah. t- which is, like we said before on here, has been following the trend for greater and greater demand of bourbon. So there are some things about Wood Reserve, which I knew nothing about when I fell in love with it. I fell in love with it simply because I, I just came across it. And I liked it. It was it was delicious. And for me, it's everything that's great about a bourbon. It's very sweet in the sense of, of being. Being corn heavy, it has very noticeable and easy to detect notes of caramel and vanilla. Uh, It's very low fire for a 90 proof spirit. Very smooth. Very smooth drink. You can drink it right. You can drink it neat. Uh, I like to do it with a couple of cubes or maybe a big globe if you're feeling you don't want to water it down too much, yeah. but you want to chill it. I've it,
0: always called it the gateway drug to bourbon. It's, it's the one that I point people to when somebody asks me, I want to get into whiskey, which one should I try? And I always say Woodford Reserve.
1: And the reason for that is while the fire is low, the master distiller from Woodford Reserve claims over 200 flavors are found in Woodford Reserve. And that's just ridiculous. Scott joked and said, I think I got four of them. (laughs) Uh, I I taste a little bit more than that. But it is legitimate that you can taste something different each sip of Woodford. It does change Mm -hmm. as the ice melts a bit, as Mm -hmm. the flavor opens. Whether
0: whether or not you can actually detect what you're tasting, it it, it is a
1: subtle change. The flavor is complex and it's dynamic. There's a lot of unique things to Woodford Reserve. First of all, they use pot still uh, distillery. Pot stills. Pot stills to distill it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Pot still distillation.
0: Mm,
1: distillation. Like Scott said. <laughs> uh, as opposed to most American bourbons, which are made with column stills. The mash bill for the Woodford Reserve is 72% corn, 18% rye, and 10% malted barley. Um, on top of that, Woodford Reserve actually has created their own specific strain of yeast that they use, mainly because it breaks down very slowly. It takes over six days to turn the sugar that's remaining after it ferments into alcohol. So the water that they use, which is from the Pepper Springs well that they dug on their property, has lots of mineral content to it, which also adds to the complexity of the flavor. As an advantage to being owned by Brown and Foreman Corporation, they have their own Cooperage, which means they're able to order their barrels as needed to their exact specs. Scott, who else does Brown Foreman own? What the, the um, corporation? I know they
0: own Old Forester, um, which is a whiskey that we have in our locker at the whiskey lounge right now. Old Forester Prohibition 1920. It's delicious. It's 114 proof, so it's. It's a yeah. little strong You might want
1: an ice cube in it Yeah, we started to drink that neat And that came up and uh, punched me in the face So I put a couple ice cubes in it It's, it's,
0: <laughs> it's a delicious whiskey um, But then we were looking And uh, surprise, Jack Daniels Is owned by the Brown Foreman Company Right,
1: so they probably go through a lot of barrels Over Jack Daniels, oh, I'd imagine geez. So the barrels are good, old-fashioned White American oak barrels That are charred Specifically to Woodfruthers specifications Yeah I will tell you that they produce a double oaked also and that the double oaked wood for reserve is exactly what it sounds like they finished wood for reserve until it's ready in a oak barrel. And then they transfer it to another oak barrel for a new some one. additional brand new yeah. barrel for additional aging. And um, because of that, they can still call it a bourbon. They don't have to call it a finished whiskey because right. it's the same thing it was originally yeah. aged in. So um, they only have three expressions of wood for reserve bourbon they have the original bourbon, the rye, and they have the double oat. And like I said, it's a very smooth spirit, delicious flavors of vanilla and caramel. And there is some baking spices, like yeah, not 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 the harshness of like a leather or tobacco, but more More of a sweeter
0: cinnamon and and and, and and like yeah, maybe anise and
1: and stuff like that. Yeah, and and so there is some fruitiness to it. Some maybe maybe you'll taste some notes of cherry.
0: And what was your first introduction to it? Like, uh, what was? Do you remember the first time you tried it?
1: No, I am um, I don't know why it became my first go-to. I'm sure that what happened was I was with somebody mm-hmm. who in fact you know probably most likely it was my uncle. My uncle is a uh, accomplished when it comes to travel and food and and drinks. Uh, he's a lot of experience and He's a great chef. And since I spent a lot of time with him in the summer, he probably drank a lot of it. And, uh, you know, I've gone away from it only because I just got curious to try other stuff. Oh. I never become unhappy with it. Sure. Funny, I was traveling to Europe last summer. Oh, and, and cruise you took. A right. Cruise but I restaurant. flew. I flew oh. to Amsterdam. Right. I flew home from Amsterdam. And it's like a six six uh, six and a half hour flight. You want to get a couple of drinks in if you're flying. So they had like all the basics. You know, they're like Absolute. They mm-hmm. have Jose Cuervo. I'm sure they had
0: Jack Daniels and Jim Beam. Jack Daniels. And, and, right.
1: They had Jack Daniels. And then, boom, airplane bottles of wood for Reserve. Yes. I mean, I couldn't be happier. And here's the best part on the international flight. Mm-hmm. They're free. <laughs> they were free. As, and I, as much as I could get. And I just went to the different flight attendants. So you
0: had 30. I had 6,000.
1: On the way over. And I had four on the way home because I was tired. You were but tired. Anyway.
0: So you had four because you were tired.
1: Yeah. I don't know overdo it. <laughs> um, so anyway, bottom line, what a nice surprise it was. I mean, not that sure. the trip to Europe wasn't fun, but yeah, I think the first photo I took, took all my trip to europe was the picture of the airplane bottles of Woodford reserve oh, that's funny. which i sent to my friends by Atlanta going look who was on the plane with me <laughs>
0: Well, Woodford Reserve is one that I always liked as well. I don't know why uh, Knob Creek. You know what? I actually do know why. Now that I think about it, I'm not a person who has a very good palate. I like a lot of bold flavors. I like a lot of spicy foods. I need like uh, extra flavors. It's got to be spicy. It's got to be intensely uh, sweet or salty. Knob Creek is one of those bourbons. It's going to punch you in the nose, especially if you drink it neat. Uh, There's a lot of fire there, but you pour a little water in it and you get a lot of flavor. Just tonight. I, and, you know, just like I'd said with Knob Creek, I mean, sorry, with, um.
1: The old Forester.
0: No, the, this other uh, one. Uh, Woodford Reserve. Woodford Reserve. Uh, I didn't move away from it because I didn't like it anymore. I just moved away from it because I got curious about other stuff. However, I had not had Knob Creek in a very long time, and drinking it again tonight, the dominant flavor is roasted peanuts. Mm. I mean, I don't know if that's what you taste, but um, which is sort of incredible to me because I'm not really sure that that's what I remember tasting. And uh, you alluded to the fact that the bourbons have changed over the years, and this is one that actually has because they used to say that it was nine years ago aged correct and it was v- they were very scrupulous about it like it was always nine
1: in fact it was a giant nine on the front label nine yeah. years aged
0: and now i mean you look at the label where's the, where'd the bottle
1: go? i have no idea Did we lose the bottle oh, it's, already? it's the on light? the other side of the room i'm trying not to drink too much knob creek for that reason because it's 100 proof yeah
0: so it's a, yeah it's 100 proof that's the other thing um uh, they changed the label and now there's not an age statement on it at all
1: at all no
0: and i know that the other expressions of knob creek
1: i think it says uh patiently aged. Right, which is similar to Basil Hayden's artfully aged, which is the same company.
0: Right, and that we talked about we talked about that on our uh, previous podcast about uh, Basil Hayden,
1: which we love. We,
0: we, which we also Which love. is delicious. Yeah, and Knob Creek was introduced in 1992 by Booker No,
1: mm-hmm.
0: who was the grandson of Jim Beam for the Jim Beam company, grouped together as the small batch bourbon collection with those other three, Basil Hayden, Booker's, and Baker's. However, a whiskey called Knob Creek has been made as far back as 1898 by a company called National Distillers, which was bought by Jim Beam in 1987. So they Re-worked sort of- the formula, re- I guess. Yeah, they repurposed the brand and they reintroduced it in 1992. And the problem was that it got so popular that in fact, in 2009, they ran out of Knob Creek. Which was funny because I don't remember hearing about this because that's about the time that I was starting drinking a lot of it It was around 2009, but they ran out of it and uh, they they decided to just embrace it. And so they sent out to journalists empty bottles of Knob Creek with print ads saying, thanks for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I guess they've caught up in the interim, but the thing is it's not nine years age. So that's why they don't say it on the bottle anymore. Uh, what they do is they take older ones and younger ones and put them together. But I don't know if they actually do that. I want to say that they probably take younger ones because they're, they're probably stopping it at like five, six, seven years, instead of going all the way to nine so that they can have actual product to give people.
1: I mean, I guess I'd have to have a bottle from 10 years ago and compare it side by side. And I think that's what they know. Like yeah. the recipe's yeah. enough. It definitely tastes like Knob Creek to me. And trust me, you you can taste Knob Creek's a very distinctive bourbon. A funny story, I, I tonight Scott doesn't even know this. I poured the Woodford Reserve and the Knob Creek out into a couple of glasses neat so that we could do our initial tasting. I forgot which ones I put them in. So I took a sip of one. was Knob Creek. I knew right away. Yeah. You don't forget Knob Creek. Yeah. So there
0: are a couple of expressions of Knob Creek. Uh, There's the rye, which is a fantastic view. You've had the rye, right? I have. They have a single barrel reserve, which is spectacular, but it is also 120 proof.
1: Definitely need to add some water and ice to the the barrel strength.
0: There's the smoked maple bourbon, which we mentioned in the last episode. There's three limited editions. There's 2001. They did a 14-year. There's a cask-strength rye. And two years ago, they had their 25th anniversary in which they created a single barrel bourbon, also 120 proof, and they made 300 barrels of it.
1: So Scott, how exactly did you first get into Knob Creek?
0: I think it was, uh, I had a Christmas party at my house. Um, you were there and you may have actually brought the bottle. I don't actually know who brought it, it's but possible. I, I wasn't a big whiskey drinker. This is probably like 2007. I used to have... Uh, huge crazy christmas parties god's christmas
1: parties were epic the outside of the house was very minimally decorated inside the house was decorated like santa claus's house (laughs) it was unbelievable it took months and months and months uh for the decoration to happen it did
0: my wife and i were very into christmas uh we would uh, have a meeting in September. Talk about what themes we wanted to do in each room. Then in October we would buy the materials. In November we would, uh, right after Halloween, we would make all of the stuff. It
1: was and- meetings with your wife. I feel like that's why you're that's, no. why, that's why you're divorced now. We're having a meeting. So, uh, did you bring the minutes from last meeting? Uh, yeah. You, yes. I called you an asshole and you stormed out of the room. Minutes over. Oh, that's a meeting. You're I have so a meeting. Right. We had we had a she had to present a PowerPoint <laughs> on what she her vision was, and yeah. then I then I would denigrate it. And and no no it was you know? I mean when it we was said collaborative meeting, when we <laughs> was it a collaborative meeting you build it together your your yeah, joint vision
0: yeah yeah it was it was it was all it was all very amicable and above board. It was, it was not – She
1: would submit her architecturally was, approved plans for not, the uh, the was, addition?
0: Jesus. It wasn't contentious at all. Um, <laughs> it actually was much, a lot of fun. Actually, much like the forest, it wasn't contentious at all. It was all amical all the way through. Am- amical? Amicable. Christ. The Knob Creek is 100 proof. An- Just an- legit.
1: Right. You're telling you trying to say an enemy like you're An, like an enemy. I can a- say an
0: enemy. The an enemy is my enemy. <laughs> And Knob Creek is 100 proof. Anyway, so the uh, Christmas uh, party. So 2007. Somebody,
1: maybe me, brought Knob Creek to the party.
0: Yeah. uh, It might have been Christmas Candyland in which every room was a different candy. (sighs) But that's beside the point. The Knob Creek, I wasn't really into whiskey at that time. I guess maybe I was starting to get into it. Mm -hmm. But then somebody brought it and I put it in a glass, some ice, and I had it. And it was one of those moments in your life where you go, "Oh, my God, I just found a thing for me because I just you know, I liked some beer, I had brewed some beer before. Uh, you know, I've had vodka and some cocktails, and I didn't really I wasn't really enamored with really anything. But when I drank bourbon, real bourbon for the first time, on the rocks,
1: Like a real person. (laughs) Like a man's drink. Like
0: a man. Give me a Knob Creek on the rocks and spit in it. (laughs) um, it. Yeah, I just did. Um, Something happened to my brain. Like I was like, oh my God, this is my drink. I finally found my drink. I don't know why Knob Creek and not maybe some of the other ones that I had before. Maybe it was like I said before, it was very bold in flavor and I like bold flavors. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. for whatever reason, it became my go-to bourbon. That's all I bought. I remember yeah. I would mix it with um, uh, cherry soda. It mixes amazing with cherry soda. I don't know. If you want to try just mixing with a cocktail. With like like Jim regular Beam.
1: black cherry soda? Like that? Uh, or just, like a cherry Coke? Like a cherry Coke, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so like Jim Beam. Dr. Pep would work then, I would imagine.
0: Oh, maybe. That would be amazing. So Jim Beam goes with ginger. Correct. Right. Uh, Jack Daniels goes with Coke.
1: It's perfectly. I'm
0: telling you, Knob Creek goes with cherry soda. I think I had Diet Cherry Coke, but it doesn't really matter. because well, uh, the bourbon's sweet enough. True. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's how I got into it. Somebody brought it to my Christmas party, and I had I drank it for three years straight.
1: I, I guess you know one thing nice is like, <laughs> you get friends who get locked in on one one spirit, if you will. And so you know when you go over the house, like at so and so's house, they're always going to have like four roses. And yeah, Sergio
0: and so- is always going to have Elijah Craig.
1: Right, but then Sergio is curious too. So Sergio likes to have, you know. He'll have three or four others, and you know because Sergio never likes exactly what I like. He always doesn't like the one I like. Like, oh, yeah, I bought this one. I don't really like that much. I'm like, oh, it's my favorite. I'll drink
0: he's that. always contrary. Uh, yeah, he's a contrarian, and we know that, and he knows that. So when he listens to this, he'll be like, yeah, yeah, that's me.
1: He'll admit it. He's a great guy, but he just like if if 15 people love the pizza, they're like yeah, I really I thought the crust was the best part. I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's just just how he is it's it's what makes him who he is but first of all he's a he's a giants fan living in philadelphia and philadelphia up to his neck in eagles fans and he right. defiantly sits there and you know wears his uh his blue giants jersey and yeah, he's corrupted no, 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 his children no. though his wife is a corrupted his children. His son anyway his wife's a good homegrown eagles she fan is.
0: she is and um, we're blessed to have her And not to go phone. off on a sergio tangent but he uh was born in new york city or yeah. at least brooklyn
1: I mean um, deep in in the middle of Brooklyn uh, uh, deep deep in the accent of Brooklyn
0: right like uh, like birthed in the Hudson River. I think he was probably. That's <laughs> not true. Sure. Um, then he moved here. He's lived longer in South Jersey, in Philadelphia Eagles territory, than he lived in New York. Which we've Giants explained territory.
1: to him, but I also yeah. understand he that. He still doesn't get it. At least he has legitimate claim to be a Giants he fan. He does,
0: right. I Unlike get
1: it. the, the yeah, if Weasley if you're, Dallas fans if that If you're from South
0: Jersey and you're a Dallas fan, then you can go fuck yourself. Damn. Because you're a goddamn asshole. Damn right. And I don't care if you don't listen to my fucking How about podcast, them boys? but you are a dick and I've had three knob greeks.
1: Listen, everything Scott says is 100% right. Uh if you're from Texas or your dad was from Texas or you were Absolutely stationed in Texas, fine.
0: That is fine. No, if I you have a connection to Texas, even if you were born here but your dad was from Texas, that I will accept. But if you were born here and your dad was born here and your your grandfather was born here and everyone has been here since seventeen hundreds and you were a Dallas fan, then you're just a dick.
1: Yeah, and and by the way, everybody in the country feels that way. Just regardless of we could be having this podcast in based in St. Louis, in Arizona, in Chicago, in Pittsburgh. Like listen, (laughs) I was an Eagles fan my whole life. It wasn't always easy. A lot of wins with no championship. Got mocked by the Cowboy fans, got mocked by the Giant fans, got mocked by the Redskin fans. And I still do to a point, and that's fine because they have more championships. But you know who has the most recent championship? We do. And so it feels good because I waited so long. I have loyalty to my squad and we won a championship, and that's what matters. I didn't become a Seattle fan when they won. I didn't become like a Ram fan when the greatest show on turf was running around. Yeah. You know, you stay true to who you are. The local team around you. I like Dallas. Why? Because Emma Smith and Troy Aikman had that great run when you were a kid. Then you're a trend puppy. Then enjoy your team, but just know that you're soulless. You're a soulless person. You are. Yeah. So enjoy your Cowboys. Agreed. And you're probably a Yankee fan on top of that. Oh, God. Because you, and now you used to be a Chicago Bulls fan by some reason, but now you're probably a Golden State fan. Or you say, I'm, a, I'm not a team fan. I just follow LeBron, so whoever LeBron goes. So if that's the case, enjoy your Lakers on the goddamn sidelines this playoff. You know who you are. You. Gutless, soulless, Dallas Cowboy, Yankee, Golden State Warrior, Edmonton Oiler used to be. Now you're whatever goddamn hockey team is good. You are just a soulless piece of shit. You know exactly who you are with your goddamn reversible jerseys depending on who's who's in the lead this fucking week we hate you everybody hates you i don't know how you don't hate yourself i don't know how your parents aren't disappointing you <laughs> except they're probably just as soulless as you are so there and by the way it's been like since we first started drinking these bourbons since your goddamn cowboys have even won a championship and it's never happened haha you Ha ha haha
0: dude Wow, that was epic. I enjoyed the fuck out of that. Here, give me give me a
1: clink. That was necessary. That was necessary.
0: So speaking of sports, in the news I saw a picture of the statue of Kate Smith covered in a black shroud. And I wanted to ask you about it.
1: All right. Well Kate Smith, famous, she's born in like 1907. Originally from the south, she um she's uh, dead now. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, been dead since the '80s. I'm pretty sure mm. she died in her 70s. She
0: sing mm, "God bless." America. Well, that's her. She, right. I was gonna right. say, she's
1: Irvin uh, Berlin's song. I think she uh, <laughs> he reworked a, a version of it for her oh. in 1931, uh, uh, and until today, I guess it was played. Um, at Flyers games, for example, the Yankees used it for the seven-inning stretch. It's mm-hmm. an iconic version of God Bless America. Mm-hmm. And I think during the 70s, I remember her when I was a kid coming back and singing it live in Philadelphia when the Flyers were winning the Stanley Cup back when I was six. Honestly, Flyers, can we please get our act together? Yeah, it's so freaking what, embarrassing.
0: What you just said about the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, the Flyers have not won but yet, from the Way before the since Dallas I was Cowboys. six years
1: old, and I'm fifty fifty now. So fifty one. So one. So the point is, I'm still a Flyers fan. Though I had not jump to another team. I'm waiting. We will win again. No,
0: you didn't jump to the Dallas Stars. No,
1: it? I didn't. I stayed Fuck with my their, team. I've watched my team not win a championship for forty five years. Is or it? Something.
0: Is it the Dallas Stars? Is it the hockey The uh, North Dallas? Stars. I can't remember. North Stars. No, it was the North Stars, and then they moved to Dallas, and then they were the Stars. Right, because- Wait, I got to look that up. Because
1: right, they wouldn't be called the North Stars if they're in Dallas. Gabe right now is just shaking his head. I know. He's like, why do you guys don't know this? And, and our friend John is also disappointed uh, in us right now. Uh, but we're- anyway, anyway, Kate Smith. At one point, I mean, for about 20 years, she was like one of the top five probably most popular or famous female entertainers in the country. She did some amazing things in life. Uh, she sold 600 million- war bonds during World War II to raise money for the war effort. And during that same time period, she traveled probably half a million miles to entertain the troops. So, they're the good things. Now, why is she in, in hot water today? Well, well, apparently
0: she sang some racially tinged- Lyrics. S- lyrics to songs- Right. Back like in the 30s? Or-
1: 1930s. Yeah. And she would have been about in her mid-20s when this, when this all happened. And I
0: think context is important here, right? Especially her age at the time.
1: The songs, as they stand- if you listen to them today, are terrible songs. I mean, they're yeah. The lyrics are was, just offensive. I, but was,
0: I was reading them and then my mouth was open. Yeah, like, but
1: agape because you know, and you're talking about over 85 years ago. Mm-hmm. The only point I had about it was that first of all, she didn't write the songs. No. Second of all, the entire country was racist in 1931. I don't understand how <laughs> she gets labeled with somehow being on like the cause of racism. Like, right. Right. Like if anything. I mean, did anyone ever see the movie Holiday Inn with Bing Crosby? It has got some of the most racist scenes in it that I've ever seen in movies. I literally, my mouth hits the ground. I'm like, oh my God. Like this was, and they, by the way, they still show that movie. It's a beloved holiday classic. Every single year that movie comes out. And in the middle of it is a scene of blackface and singing that is just a horror show.
0: I remember, I remember down the shore after a night of drinking whiskey. With you. We I don't we had some breakfast and we watched some old black and white movie. Right. And in that movie, I don't remember what movie it was, the woman does something and the man says, Well, that was very white of you. Right. And then the two of us went, Oh my God, what 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 did they just say? <laughs> right. This is a this and this is a mainstream Hollywood movie, probably from the forties. Right. And it was that was very white of you.
1: Right. And I mean I mean how many movies showed somebody like swatting their, their their wife on the fanny if she if she stepped out of line or something? That would not fly today either. Right. Um, society advances. I guess the point I was making from this is not in any way to defend the racially charged lyrics that Kate Smith was singing. Right. Because, of course, I don't. But history is a point that you learn from. If Kate Smith was singing that song the day before she died in the 80s, well, then, yeah, you're like, you know what? I think Kate Smith was a terrible person. <laughs> but covered her statue, which, by the way, was not a very attractive statue. It was It was a scary statue. Like, I think little <laughs> children should probably be afraid of the Kate Smith statue i I would have i would
0: have no stop
1: (laughs) it's just not a great rendition of kate smith or maybe it is i don't know i've seen a statue it's it's a little scary so now today it's covered in a black shroud as if instantaneously people are offended by the sight of kate smith when most people have no idea who kate smith is right and boom statues done they're no longer using the rendition of of "God Bless america which is an iconic patriotic and wonderful song Nobody cares anything else she did in her life. And maybe they shouldn't. I don't know. But I'm saying it's dangerous when you apply modern morality and rules with people who lived in the past. For example, what if, I know, 100 years ago or 200 years ago, I'm not, 200 years in the future, anybody who used a- (laughs) Back in our time machine. Right. If we go 200 years in the future and the people from that time period deemed anybody who uses an automobile to be destructive of the planet- Right. So that you'll see people all, well, yeah, Gandhi was a nice person and all, but we all know he used a car and helped destroy the atmosphere. So how nice of a person could Gandhi have been?
0: Yeah, that's what I meant when I said, uh, I think a little context is important in these types of decisions that people make. And I'm not saying that those people cannot be asked about that time period and uh, what they were thinking when that thing was going on. But their answers might be, hey, I was 20 years old. These were the songs that were around. And uh, these attitudes were mainstream. But you don't believe in it now. And you're, oh, absolutely not. I I condemn the songs that I did before. I mean, that might be the answer. And then you'll go, "Uh, okay. Right. She's not around to say yay or nay on those issues.
1: If you want to take down her statue, go ahead. This is not a defense of Kate Smith nor her lyrics. It is simply a a, a query, query, question, query? Query. Query, thank you. Into um, how do we want to proceed forward? We should have a, a discussion about it. We're not having a discussion about it.
0: What we're having is uh, somebody covering a statue, and that that's the definitive answer.
1: Listen, you know, how does this fit in what we're doing tonight? No, it doesn't. Well, we're going to talk about different <laughs> things, you know, and like I said, some are going to be a lot of, a lot of fun. And, you know, this is actually, there's a lot of humor involved in this just because of the way people react to stuff. Right. It's like anything comes out, they're ready to just burn the whole thing down yeah. if like one window's cracked. They're yeah. like, nah, burn it down. Yeah. We'll, get, I, another, we'll I, get a new house.
0: And I, and I just think that we need to meet a more subtle approach because that's the the approach that I take to everything is like, nothing is black and white. Everybody has a story. Like he, somebody at work who is like super like weird. You think they're a weird person? They're yeah. like, Oh God, the hell's wrong with that? I got why, people at work like they're... that. But the thing is, you don't know what's going on in their life to right. make them that way. Right. Like, maybe something is, like, seriously wrong. Maybe they have cancer. Maybe they, they're taking care of a uh, aged parent with Alzheimer's. Maybe they have, like, um, a daughter or son with some medical condition. Right, maybe they have that- a mental
1: illness. Maybe they're a drug addict.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you have no idea what's going on with them. But all you see outwardly is, like, oh, they're just super weird.
1: Right. One thing that isn't, like, black or white is Knob Creek and Woodford Reserve. They're completely <laughs> different. You're not going to you know, very few people like Just Woodford. How did you get back or to that? Just Knob Creek. How did you, just get back it's to that. a segue. It's, it's, yeah, it's very good. Follow the segue. <laughs> um, so, I strongly suggest that you drink both of them, not at the same time like we did because that was unnecessary. But <laughs> I'm trying to decide which one I like better. Which one do you like better? I like Woodford still like better. Better. It, Woodford also makes a heck of a cocktail. It makes a great Manhattan. A Knob Creek old fashioned would probably be pretty interesting. I I
0: think I'm going to go with the Knob Creek just because. um, Just be
1: nostalgic.
0: No, no. Well. Possibly, but it's it's just a bolder flavor.
1: So once again, we appreciate your time. And uh, Woodford Reserve and Knob Creek Bourbons, you can't go wrong with either one. Did we talk about the proof, uh, Woodford? Uh, Woodford's around 90, yeah, 90, 90 and a half or so.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's 90 and some percentage. 90 and some
1: change. Yeah. It's a lot smoother, though, for being only 10 yeah. proof points down. Yeah. So a, a Knob's a little harsher. Right. Uh, Woodford's a
0: little smoother. Both flavorful, both delicious.
1: Good night, everybody. See you next time. If you enjoyed this podcast episode be sure to check out our next episode which is way better than this one. Oh yeah also follow and like our facebook page at facebook.com slash whiskey tangent and follow us on twitter at whiskey tangent you can follow me personally at that whiskey guy and follow scott at giant cup of awesome spelled a-w-s-u-m just to be annoying hey You can email us any questions, comments, or love at whiskeytangent at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us always at our podcast website, whiskeytangent.podbean.com.